0: Okay. Good morning, everybody. Hope everybody is well. Happy Sunday for those that are here live. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Another week, we have the opportunity to get a little bit better. Get a little bit deeper. Last week, we must have hit on something because I got a whole bunch of emails and, and texts throughout the end of the week about this idea of seeing the great in others. What seems to be in front of us, at least from a lot of the messages that I'm seeing, is that not everyone was able to to get that growing up. Not everyone came from a family that their parents gave it to them. Not everyone came from an environment where their school gave it to them. A lot of people walking around, and the people that they began their lives with Never saw, or at least they think, didn't see the greatness in them. And they're carrying that 20, 30, 40, 50 years later. Serious stuff. A lot of what we spoke about last week was this idea that there's a piece of us that comes out when someone sees it in us. So what happens if nobody sees it in us? What happens if you grew up and the people you look up to don't see it in you? What happens if you have that teacher that thinks that you're the worst thing in the world because you can't sit when you're 11? Which is not crazy. I'm sure there's more than one person that has gone through that. What happens if people that are people that you look up to, they disappoint you? let you down. So I want to approach it in two different ways. Because it's critical. Because parents are human beings. And administrators are human beings. And people that we look up to are human beings. And human beings are fallible. And they're flawed. And they may make real mistakes. And we may be the subjects of those mistakes. But there's got to be a way that we become who we're supposed to become, even if we didn't get what maybe was due to us when we were growing up. So I want to approach this in two ways. And I want to spend just maybe today, maybe today and tomorrow really delving into it. Because if you feel this way, and from the response that I saw late last week and over the weekend, clearly, people do. If you feel this way, that along the way, the people that you looked up to didn't see you or worse, they they failed to see you. They saw your sibling and not you. They saw the kid next to you and not you or worse, they took it out on you. I remember seeing, I forgot where, the story of a, of a woman who unfortunately, whose mother child, died in childbirth and her father blamed her. Can you imagine her whole life hearing from her father that she killed her mother in childbirth? Do you understand? So regardless of the intellectual capacity of that man to destroy her daughter, that's irrelevant. What about the girl? Okay. Someone's got to sit down and talk to that dad. If, if, if he's even all there, but what about the kid? So how do we do this? We have a life to live. We have an incredible life to live. How do we, a sense, there's a million ways. I don't wanna, this isn't therapy. And and if you're in the middle of something, continue doing what you're doing and et cetera, et cetera. I just wanna give you two ideas, two ideas just to think about. And I believe if we think about these ideas, it will help us, no matter where you're up to. This is not meant to replace anything that's going on, for sure, Just we're just schmoozing, we're just talking. This is very much what we're building towards. In fact, this work really, and we spoke about this a little bit last week, but this work really is not building us necessarily to change someone's life, which it will if we do it correctly. If we realize that if we grew up in something where we miss something, if you ever feel that growing up, you've missed it out, it should only make you more sensitive to make sure that everybody around you gets it. There are so many people in this world that come from broken homes who are coaches and teachers and social workers because they grew up with it. They leveraged what they were missing to now understand the sensitivities to it, to only now give it. So if you ever feel in your life that you didn't have it growing up, then you specifically should be focused on this stuff so that you know that everybody around you is going to have it more, this feeling that somebody sees them more than their physical body, more than their actions. But really, what we're talking about is something even deeper. Watch how this works. And we spoke about this a little bit last week. So I want to read from this book. This book is called Everyday Holiness by Alan Marinus. It's an incredible book. He speaks about how it's so much easier for us to see flaws in other people. And he says, for many of us, honoring other people falls into the latter category, which is much harder. It just isn't easy for us to take responsibility for honoring others. It is much easier for us to be critical and harshly judgmental. Seeing only others' flaws and failings. You sit in a room, somebody speaks, you see the problems. You walk into a room, there's a a wedding, you see the problems. You're constantly aware of people's problems. When our eyes focus only on the soiled garment, ignoring the divinely inspired being within, there really isn't anything much to honor. Whenever we are critical of people, really what we're doing is taking the eyes that we have and focusing them on the garment, the body, the words, not the divine holiness of that human being. The soul, honor, respect, and dignity are due to each and every human being, not because of their greatness of their achievements. You don't honor someone because they're wealthy, you don't honor someone because they have a PhD. You don't honor someone because they happen to catch a ball with people watching them on a certain game. As much as I would love football or how they have behaved. You don't honor someone because they're sitting in class. You may want them to be positively reinforced, but you don't honor them because they can memorize more. Are you kidding? Like this is the world that we live in. We honor people because they can memorize and spit things back. We honor people because they happen to be in this profession versus that profession. They happen to be taller. Their features happen to align with the people that we see on the screen. So we consider them to be beautiful. So as a result, what, they get honor? Maybe because their grandfather invested in a building and passed the inheritance down. So they were born wealthy, So they deserve honor? That's what it is? No. It's not what we honor people for. You could respect people's achievements. You could respect people's effort. You could reinforce people's behaviors. But not honor. You know why you honor somebody? Because they are a home to a soul that is inherently holy. If you get this, you're gonna walk into a new world. You honor somebody because that body that you're looking at is a home to something that is holy. Yeah, but the person isn't holy. No, 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 no. That body is the home to holiness. You know, we think that, like, I'm a, I'm especially this happened, I'm sure this happens in every religion. Where whatever religion you're in, I'm sure you have this. I have this in Judaism. I happen to be a Jew, if you couldn't tell. I'm a good Jew, I'm a bad Jew, I'm a good Jew, I'm a bad, you know this stuff? We already know who we are because somebody laid out the rules. Now there's rules, there's laws, but we've already determined that we're unholy because we do not align with the rabbi sitting in the front of the room, because we do not know how to read certain things. You know why we're holy for? Because we have within us a soul. Your eyes are open. Your value is worth more than anything in this world. Period. End of story. That's, that's what we believe. Because what's powering your body is holiness. And God is more valuable than anything physical. No one created their own soul. Everyone has been gifted with this rarefied essence. This is the teaching of Rabbi Chaim of Volazion, a forerunner in the Muslim movement who explains Rukhain Velozhner was one of the greatest rabbis of all time. Who, by the way, was brilliant and was a big rabbi, etc., etc. And here's what he says. One should honor all people simply because they are the handiwork of God. You don't honor somebody because they're doing what you want. You don't honor someone because they agree with you. You don't honor someone because they are delivering for you. You honor someone because they are holding, they're the home to the divine. When that becomes the reason why I honor somebody, when I look over to the children or the students or the friends or the person across the aisle that I disagree with, and I start to focus myself on looking at that individual as the home to divine godliness, whether they realize it or not. And usually they don't realize it. Once I st- And this is so hard, this is so difficult, but we get to pretend in the, um, for, the, for 20 minutes a day, right? We get to like try if we're not going to strive for something that is beyond us, then what are we doing for a few minutes every day? Me and you get to like reach our hands up and try. This is what we're striving for. This is one of those golden rings, that if you hold on to this in life, this will take us to places that we never knew imaginable. When we can start to train ourselves, the reason why I'm honoring people isn't because it works for me, because they do things for me, because I like them, because they happen to belong to me, because I'm supposed to. The reason why I honor them is because they happen to be the home of divine godliness. I'm looking at a piece of the divine in the people in front of me, whether they look like me or they don't. And I honor that. I honor what's inside them, regardless if they know what's inside them. Because I honor that which is inside them. You know, it's like I got a buddy of mine that was in the Israeli army. And we were hanging out together once in Israel. And there was somebody across from him that was negotiating some price. Then we went to, we were buying something and they got into some like negotiation because in Israel, you can do that. You're not in America. You're not going to like Target and negotiating with the with the cashier about, about whether or not the sweater should be or shouldn't be $29.99. In Israel, you're walking down a Shook, you buy something, you can hock prices. That's part of the fun of being in the Middle East. So this guy who I'm friends with, is neg- and, and it's getting a little heated, not in a bad way, but still. And they find out somehow that they're in the, they, they were both in the same unit 10 years later in the army. That was it. They were like brothers. They were hugging. They were like, no, you take it. No, you take it. No, it's fine. No, it's okay. And the whole negotiation changed. All of a sudden, they were negotiating for each. Why? He doesn't know him. Because he... He stood for something. He was in my unit. I don't know that guy, but I know my unit. And I respect my unit. My unit in the army was the most elite. You know, like you ever hear speak to, I, unfortunately, I wish I would have. I wish I would have, grow, growing up, I wish I would have ended up in an army. Something special about being a soldier. All right. When you speak to someone who went through the army, their unit is the greatest unit in the world. They don't respect Necessarily, I should say badly, they what they respect is what the unit stands for. And if you once wore that unit uniform, you just once, if you were part of that unit, they don't respect your body, they respect who you are, they respect your be. you're a godly person, you believe in something more than this world, you don't respect the physicalness of the person in front of you. You respect who they are. They're a piece of God. It's the unit you're respecting. It's the divineness that you're respecting. That's why when you see a kid who, is, who can't sit, thank you. Thank you, Hilton. I love you. That's when you see a kid who can't sit and you see the destructiveness, what you're really seeing is energy. That's why parents that believe in their children and the world doesn't, what do they believe in? They believe in the energy that the kid has. And they know that while this energy is being put into a destructive place right now, because of circumstances, I know that It's not the action. It's the spiritual energy that that kid has that can one day be given more. When I look in and look for your virtues, what I'm really doing is I'm saying you stand for something that is what? Am I I saying your brain stands for something? Am I saying that you happen to have a talent? No. I'm saying that you have something that is intangible, that is special you have some type of light, some energy that is manifesting right now in a way that may not work, but it's not that. It's the energy that I respect. It's the potential that you have that I respect. Well, why does it have potential for? It's because they're more than their bodies. They're more than their circumstances. They're more than than who they are. And once we have the ability to, to look over at somebody, and see that what I really see in you isn't that your hands moved or even your brain moved. It's more than that. It's that you have something deeper that I can't put my finger on. It's a virtue, it's spiritual. It's something that is beyond, that it's, it's with you that you're gonna use one day. And I want you to see it. What you're, What you're unlocking is something so much more what you're respecting is so much more than what is physically in that person. And once we start to do that, what it reminds us... I keep on checking the time. I'm so scared that I'm like, go over. What it reminds us is that human beings have more than their actions and they have more than their actions, whether or not somebody sees it or not, because that's who they are. And even if everybody sees it, you still don't get to fully see it because nobody can fully appreciate the greatness of a human being because the greatness of a human being is divine and no one has the ability to fully appreciate the divine. So even though I'm trying, I can't fully appreciate you. And if you've lived long enough, you know that sometimes the people People that you think were the back are really in the front. And sometimes people you think were the bottom are really on the top because you know that's how life works. Now, once we believe this for others, we need to recognize that this applies to ourselves. If somebody else is the divine, is holding the divine, that means I'm holding the divine too that means there's something inside me that is so uniquely special that God chose to be in this earth and open my eyes and if my eyes are open that my value is so incredible that it is beyond what anyone can think so if I didn't get anyone to tell me that it's because they didn't see it and there's nothing wrong with me could I act better of course can I become better of course but who I am doesn't need inherently somebody else to tell me so if there's someone in my life that didn't tell me or worse, told me the opposite, they just don't know. They just weren't delivering. They went through their own stuff. I don't know, but it has no bearing on who I am. because because I see that somebody else is inherently valued regardless of their achievements, just because they are the home of the soul, that means that I am inherently valued because I am the whole, I am the home of a soul as well. And re- whether or not the world tells me or not, it is totally irrelevant. Because I know. Because God made me this way. And that's more valuable than anyone can ever put in. And just that knowledge means that when I wake up in the morning, what I can do is beyond even what I know. What we can accomplish is, is beyond what our brain, remember our brain only goes backwards. Neuroplasticity, I only know what I was exposed to. I don't know the future. I don't know what I'm capable of. Once we realize that there's no one in the world that could make us more or less valuable because our value is actually invisible to everyone, including ourselves and the people that have let us down can't possibly pull away from what I feel of myself. This is the beginning of true self-confidence. I don't need someone else to tell me who I am. I don't even know who I am. But whatever I think I am only pales in comparison to who I really am. Because who I am, whether I win or lose, whether I have letters after my name or before my name, whether the world tells me, whether my bank account is big or small, who I am is the home of a piece of God. And if God feels comfortable to put a piece of him in me, there's nothing this world can give me to make me feel more valuable than that. When we believe that, then we look back in our past and whether someone told us or not becomes less relevant. And when we believe that, Look around and you see all the souls in front of you, man. You're overwhelmed by the greatness in people. You believe in people. You believe in the goodness in people. That's what it means to be a leader. You See things that others don't. Because you're looking for something that others aren't. All right, first of all, thank you for all my comments today. I love you guys. I love it to my Zoom team. I love you. Everyone out there, let's try this. Just start looking for it. Just start looking for it, look for it. Start to train, let's start to train our brains to see this, use our schemas for good things. It's hard if we've never thought of this before to like how, and let's start putting it into our own lives. Who I am is even invisible to me. But if God chose to put a piece of himself in me, regardless of a parent or a teacher or anybody thought otherwise, they just don't know. I don't even know. But I'm blessed to be this valuable. That's who we are. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Have an awesome day. With God's help, can't wait to see you again tomorrow.